Today's scripture reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Eturia, and Trachonitis, and, Lys- and Lysenius Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Great to have you here this morning at Hallelujah. Welcome, everyone. It is the second weekend in Advent, uh, a time of preparation. And uh, Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, uh, and it just breaks down literally as to come. So we're talking about Advent being uh, with respect to people of faith, uh, the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of Christ. And so... Um, it has a twofold meaning, though. Uh, we, we celebrate the four weekends in Advent. We light the wreaths in preparation for Christmas, the arrival of Jesus' birth. That one's sort of the obvious one. But we also, as people of Advent, look to the second coming of Jesus. When we say the Apostles' Creed, we say he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Jesus promises to return, and we look forward to that. In his second coming, there, Jesus promises that God's plan for creation will, will come into its fullness. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. That will be the time when, when, when God, you know, completely brings into fullness his plan for creation. So what's helpful sometimes to remember in Advent is to say we're living between the times, the time of Jesus' birth and the time he will return. So turn to someone and go, we're living between the times. Go ahead and say that, somebody. We're living between the times. Last week, if you weren't here with us, we'll bring you up to speed. We talked about um, the heart that promises. And the heart that promises, uh, we heard the, the prophet Zephaniah proclaim this scripture. The Lord your God is with you. That's the first promise. We talked about the heart that promises last week. God promises to be with us. That's what Emmanuel means, literally, God with us. He is mighty to save. His promise is to save you. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Eternal life. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And that was the third promise we looked at last week. God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. A colleague I worked with uh, in Minnesota used to say uh, a lot when he preached and taught, God is madly in love with you. I mean, he's just, his unconditional love is for you. It's abundant, and he promises you that love, ultimately expressed to us through Christ. He will rejoice over you with singing. Look at that last phrase in that text. He will rejoice over you with singing. 
You ever picture God so, so in love with you that he's just kind of looking over you and singing? What song would that be? I wonder. That's sort of interesting. But what an interesting image from the prophet. So God makes promises to us, and that's what we looked at. This week, we're going to talk about preparation. So I have one question for you today. Are you ready? For what? Well, for Christmas. Who's ready? All the presents, everything. Got the meal planned. You know where you're going. You know who's coming. You know the whole deal. You know probably not a lot of us right now. We've got a couple weeks, right? Time to get going here. If you are to do a little research on the most common dreams that people have, the, the one near the top of the list almost always is about this question. Have you ever had the dream that you're not prepared for something? I don't remember all my dreams, but that's the one I have the most. I'm not ready. Usually it takes this form. I'm supposed to give a talk. I'm supposed to be somewhere and, and give a presentation. And I don't have my notes or I forgot, you know, I just like, whoa. Can I get an amen on this dream, anybody? Now, the good is a silver lining. Expert psychologists say that if you have this dream a lot, that means you're usually always prepared. It's this fear of not being prepared that drives you. So that's kind of soothing, isn't it, to think about that? In over 25 years of ministry, the following has only happened one time in my life. Back in 2003, when I was a pastor in Minnesota, it was a beautiful summer day, and, I, and, and it was a Saturday, and we had a Saturday evening service at that church like we do here. It started about 5.15, and as was, you know, I'd get into the office mid-afternoon, and oftentimes I'd do a little work for a class I'd be teaching maybe Sunday night. So I would just come in mid-afternoon and kind of get, kind of get my bearings for that, that weekend. And I pull into the parking lot, and I see cars. And I, that's not abnormal. I, we have people using our space all the time, or groups gather, or whatever. So I just kind of pulled in. Now I'm in a pair of jeans, blue jeans. I'm in a uh, short sleeve collared shirt, and I've got my briefcase over my shoulder, and uh, I walk in to the side door where the, where the staff goes in, where our offices were. And I walk in, and I'm surprised to see one of our wedding coordinators, Michelle, sitting at one of the desks. And I said, hi, Michelle. She goes, hi, Pastor Tim. She goes, when you're, when you're ready, I'll walk through the service with you. What? That's what I was thinking. So I smile and I go, okay, let me just put my things down. I go in my office. I am freaking out. I forgot I had a wedding. Never forgot before, never forgot since, but I literally forgot. It was not on my radar. It was not on my reminder. It was not on my calendar. I have no idea. I wasn't ready. It was about to happen in about 40 minutes. So I opened the door. I said, hey, Michelle, come on in. And 
She walks me through the service. Great, great job of our wedding coordinators. You know, they walk you through, you know, how the groomsmen are going to come in and what any special things happening. And we get to the end, and she goes, Pastor Tim, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, are you going to wear that for the wedding? I go, no, no, I'm, I'm just dropping my stuff off. I'm going to, you know, go home and get my suit, so I'll be right back. I get in my car, I get on my cell, and I'm like, Kathy, Kathy, help me. I'm, can you get some, you know, make sure I've got something ready? I'm, I'm flying home. I got to get my suit. I come in, I do the Batman down the pole thing. You know, I go from Bruce Wayne to Batman and like that. And I come back out to the Batmobile. I go flying back to the church. I come in. Oh, I'm taking a deep breath. I am not ready. Now, here's the little nugget that's really awkward. I don't have a message. That's kind of an important part. Now, the good news is I had done about 100 weddings to date. And there was, you know, a theme often with what, you know, I say in some of those messages. And by the, nothing short of the grace of God, delivered what perhaps is the best wedding message I've ever given. And they said, I do, so it, it took, so that's good. I'm sure you've had a similar experience. Maybe at work, maybe with friends, maybe some sort of social setting, and you just, you're just not ready. The question we have to ask ourselves as people of Advent, are we ready for the arrival, the advent of Christ? Not only at Christmas, but in his glorious second coming. Let's turn to Luke 3. Let's go back in our Bibles to hear that text today about John the Baptist. It begins with verses 1 and 2. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, so this is the Roman emperor at the time, and the 15th year is uh, something we can look to because Scholarship believes that he began his reign around 11 AD, so add 15 years. Let's take a closer look at John the Baptist. So the first thing is that we notice from this text, there's an exact time in history here. You history buffs should love this. This isn't once upon a time in a land far, far away. This is a particular time, particular place, particular people, particular context, and into this context comes John the Baptist and shortly thereafter, Jesus. Next thing we know about John the Baptist, and we'll pause on the text here for a moment, he was the son of Zechariah, who was a priest, and his mom was Elizabeth. God told Elizabeth she was going to, uh, God told Zechariah and Elizabeth they were going to have a, a baby, even though they were up in years, so that was a miracle. And they would, he would prepare the way of the Lord, he'd be named John, and that's John the Baptist. The next thing, um, John was a contemporary and a relative of Jesus. We know from Scripture that Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, were relatives. Some, some, some translations have said cousins, but that's not a great translation of the Greek. So we know they're relatives. We don't know how they're related, but that makes John and Jesus related. John the Baptist is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40. Um, and the, the verses, if you look back in the text today, in chapter 3, beginning in the middle of verse 4, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. This is not a narrative of what John is saying at the moment. It's Luke 
the gospel writer reminding us of this Old Testament prophecy, that there would be someone coming to prepare the way for Jesus. There would be someone, and think about this for one second. Isaiah made this prophecy 600 years before John even showed up. And he would come and he would prepare the way for, he would be this one, a voice calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way, and that's exactly what John did. He baptized people in the Jordan River. Most of you probably know, if you, if you have any background with church school or anything, with John the Baptist, you know, he was in the river and people were coming and, and he was baptizing them. And you might be thinking, well, what was baptism before Jesus showed up? Was there baptism? Because when we have baptism here, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a Christian baptism. It's a baptism into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're thinking, what was the baptism going on in John the Baptist and Jesus' day? Well, the nation, the God's chosen nation, Israel, had baptism, but it was, this is what they used baptism for. If you weren't Jewish, meaning you were a Gentile, and you wanted to convert to Judaism, you were baptized. It was a washing ritual to cleanse you, to wash you, so you could be ready and spiritually pure for your conversion. So that was the baptism going on in our text when John is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And here's the interesting thing about that. Only Gentiles were supposed to be baptized, but John was calling the nation Israel too. You need to be baptized too. To get ready for Jesus, you need to be spiritually clean. You need to be ready. And people would be like, whoa, why is, he, why is he asking us to be baptized? We're not the ones who need baptism. And John said, oh yeah, we all need to get ready. He was a prophet. God's word came to him. We learn that in the text today. He preached a baptism of repentance. What does that mean? We'll get to that in a minute. He prepared the way for Jesus. That was his number one job. His only calling was to prepare people and their hearts for the arrival, the advent of Jesus. And finally, sadly, he was imprisoned by Herod and executed. John called out Herod for leaving his first wife, being unfaithful and marrying another wife. He then called him out on that. Herod didn't like that, put him in jail. His new wife's daughter danced for Herod at a gathering. He was so pleased, he said, I'll give you anything you want. And mom, you know, his new wife whispered into his daughter's ear, asked for the head of John the Baptist. And that was his fate. But look at this list. Called by God at a particular time, in a particular place, with a particular message, to get people ready for the advent, the arrival of Jesus. And Jesus then shows up. He comes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And he begins his public ministry. John's role was to prepare our hearts for Jesus. So I want to give you a couple, three things to think about today, about the heart that prepares. Because the goal of this series is to align our hearts with God's heart. Last week was God's heart promises. This week, God's heart prepares us. God's Holy Spirit's always willing and and desiring to work on our hearts. And so, there's a heart that prepares from God. 
And the first thing to have us think about is, is calling us to repentance. What's the first thing Jesus says when he shows up? Go back in your uh, New Testament to Mark. It's one book back. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. If you ever play in Bible trivia, and the question is, what's the first thing Jesus ever said? Here you go. After John the Baptist was put in prison, verse 14, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. That's a huge sentence. The kingdom of God has come near. In other words, heaven's come down. I'm here. The, uh, God in flesh. The kingdom is, is right near you. And here you go. So he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. What's the first command out of Jesus' mouth? What do you see there? Repent. Repent. The same thing John was telling people to do. Repent. And believe the good news. Repent. What does that mean? What does repent mean? It's best explained by a road sign. U-turn. Someone's going this way. Someone is walking towards evil. Repent says, U-turn. Go towards good and righteous behavior. In the season of Advent, when we hear God calling us to repent, his heart is calling us to repent. He's saying, I know you're going this direction. I know you have this destructive uh, behavior. I know you, you, you're wrestling with this certain sin. I want you to turn around from that, literally, physically, and go that way. That's the first meaning of repentance. The second one from the original Greek word, metanio, means return. Return to God. Advent can be the season we return to God. Everyone who has faith ebbs and flows with their faith. There are stretches of, 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 of dryness. There's, there's a spiritual dryness. There's, there's times we feel we drifted away from God. We, we, Advent says return. Return to your creator. Return to your loving God. Return to that relationship, the heart of God. Repentance, that's the first thing the heart that prepares does in Advent. The second thing is the heart that prepares wills to forgive you. The incredible freedom that comes when we kneel at the cross of Jesus and we embrace the forgiveness and grace of God through the death of Jesus Christ. That sacrificial love, that act that saved the world, the heart that prepares wills to forgive us. When Jesus instituted the Last Supper, that night before the cross, he gave the bread with his closest followers and then he lifts up the cup. And he lifts up the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is poured out. It is shed for many. For the what? Forgiveness of sins. 
Whenever we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, the pastor says those very words of Jesus. Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is shed for what? For you and for all people. For the forgiveness of sins. That's exactly why Jesus died. To pour out his life, his blood shed, to pay the sacrifice for our sins and death we could never pay. The heart that prepares forgives. And, and during this season of Advent, God's calling us to that forgiveness. Finally this morning, the heart that prepares makes room for Jesus. Perhaps the most popular carol of Christmas time is Joy to the World. It was written by Isaac Watts. The tune has been uh, stolen, borrowed from Handel, a couple of his Messiah pieces, and they put it together, and they put Isaac Watts' lyrics together, and they came up with Joy to the World. That first verse, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive its king. And then the next line is on the screen. Read it with me if you can. Let every heart prepare him room. Who sung this before at Christmas time? Let every heart prepare him room. The heart that prepares makes room for Jesus. Advent is a great time for that, to prepare room for Christ. Do you have a junk drawer? Might be that narrow one in the kitchen. Perhaps it's in your desk, in your study. Perhaps it's in your bedroom. It's one of your drawers and it's just become that. Do you know when it's time to reorganize your junk drawer? When you've got some junk in your hand and you don't know where to put it and you open your junk drawer and there's no room. That's a sign it's time to reorganize your junk drawer. <laughs> During Advent, don't let your heart be that junk drawer. Make room for Jesus. And if you open your heart for him and there is no room, perhaps it's time to reprioritize. Perhaps it's time to reorganize your heart, because by faith we are saved through the grace of God. Faith in a Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. So on this second weekend in Advent, as we light the second candle, here's my encouragement in closing for you. Don't, this Advent season, don't drive into the parking lot and miss the wedding. The Bible speaks of a marriage feast that has no end, and the imagery is Jesus as the groom and the church is the bride of Christ. There will be this, this incredible union when he comes back, this incredible celebration. Be prepared for that. Don't miss that. Be ready. Prepare your hearts for the good news of Jesus' arrival at Christmas and in his glorious second coming, that's what Advent is about. May we pray. Gracious God, prepare our hearts for the arrival of your Son.
thank you, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts for his advent. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the call to repentance, the call to kneel at the cross of your Son and say we're sorry for our sins. Lord, we give you thanks for preparing our hearts to make room for your Son, Jesus. Lord, push aside all that would not allow him room in our hearts. And Lord, by faith, may we once again celebrate his birth and look towards his glorious return. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, amen.